1: Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard
0: about weight loss medications like Wegovy or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, once again, thanks to everyone for checking us out here on the GM Shuffle. We are cranking out episodes, four episodes in eight days, so we appreciate all the support from all of you. Once again, go to Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe, rate, and review. My man Will Folger was listening. He said he loved the passion for Mike. He loved the line particularly about the pay- Patriots. They're going to just coach the shit out of him when it comes to Mac Jones. Well, speaking about the shit hitting the fan, that would be Aaron Rodgers, who will not return to the Packers under GM Brian Gunquins, could also hold at a camp. This is the latest, as the reigning MVP is reportedly contemplating retirement as a way of forcing a trade. And team president Mark Murphy has all but confirmed as much by acknowledging the Packers are very aware of the issue with their longtime signal caller. So we all knew there was issues, Mike. We just didn't know what it was specifically. And now we know it's Rodgers and Gunquins, uh, a source in Rodgers' camp that is willing to weigh hardline options at his disposal from refusing to show up for offseason season activities to holding at a training camp and possibly retirement. Now, how did Green Bay handle the draft? Did they help him out? No. Cornerback Eric Stokes out of the gate didn't pick a wide receiver in the second round. They got Ohio State center Josh Myers. Did get a wideout in the third round as it was Clemson's Amari Rodgers. What happens next, Mike, if you're the Packers?
2: I, I, I don't know. I, I, like For me, I, I think th- this anger toward Gutekist is kind of wrong. I, I don't understand it. I mean, he works for Murphy. Right. Like, you know, it's not like he's an independent contractor that the Murphy's the owner and he does whatever he wants and LaFleur does whatever he wants. I mean, this is all tied together, like I wrote about for The Athletic. And I think that you could get mad at Brian and say, well, Brian's done a bad job. He hasn't helped me out. But like like the guy that's pulling the strings on everything. Is the president of the team, and, and you know, and he thinks he's got all the answers. He's running the athletic department, so I don't know. I I don't I don't see them. Do you want to be the guy that trades Aaron Rodgers? No. Jeff. I mean, if you're Mark Murphy, do you want to be? Do you want that on your? You want that blood on your hands? I mean, because you're not gonna you're not gonna be. That's a small town. I mean, you're not gonna be able to go to the supermarket and put the sausage in the goddamn uh, you know or the Brockwurst into the uh, c- cart and th- not get hammered. I mean, you must all well live underground. I mean, come on. I mean, what are they going to do? They got to go make nice. They got to go play nice. They got to go talk to him. Got to put more money in his pocket. They got to do what they should have done all along. I mean, Guttekas doesn't control the money. And he walked down the office and said, look, I want to pay this guy 10 more million dollars a year. They, he doesn't have that authority. Like I, I, I think so often titles of people in the NFL confuse who really has the authority. I think it really confuses you. And, you know, the fans just don't know, like the fans don't know. I mean, they think that, you know, that Brian makes every call and that Murphy's just, no, I mean, it, it's, you got, it, it, the, the NFL is, it, it, as, uh, as Cheech said, they got a lot of buffers, <laughs> a lot of buffers. Murphy could be sitting there like Frank Pantangelia. And try to answer some of the questions because there's a lot of buffers, like Cheat said. There's a lot of buffers, and nobody knows, like the mafia, who ordered the hit. You know, nobody knows who who really wanted this. Nobody knows. It's all kind of clandestine, and you know, three shooters in a in, in a in a triangular configuration. Who's you know who's got the bullet? Who does it? You know, like it's perfect. It's plausible deniability. The CIA shit. I mean. Nobody knows. I mean, nobody knows. People take the blame for it you know but they they don't
0: uh, i don't know no michael corleone i got no issue with him uh, frankie Pantanzi, by the way michael V. Gazzo was nominated for best supporting actor that year three of them were nominated for best supporting actor including obviously lee strasberg and john Cazale. i'm telling you if you look at great supporting actors godfather 2 three of those guys of the five nominees were for one movie sorry for the tangent mike but you brought up frankie Pantanzi. i love him
2: no I, who won it though did he win it who won it who be who could who could have beaten frank Pantanzi's performance michael Gazzo did demand not the win recall.
0: Yeah, I, I know he definitely did not win. I'm going to get it for you by the end of this podcast, but I know it was definitely not him, and it was not the other two. It was not any of the godfather two guys. Think about that. Three of the five nominees were from one film, and none of those guys actually won Best Supporting Actors. Ridiculous. Amazing. Unbelievable. Yeah. Anyways. Unbelievable. Uh, John Houseman ended up winning for The Paper Chase, I believe,
2: if uh, Wikipedia is to be correct. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, nobody. Memorable movie. Like I like, literally, when you when you think of, Michael Corleone said this. My, I mean, do you can you remember one line John Chase said in the, in that movie? I mean, seriously. Oh hang on, hang we on. I totally screwed it up. To-
0: okay, sorry. This is actually what happened. De Niro won for supporting actor in
2: Godfather Part Two. He was also nominated I get as. That. Now that makes sense. Okay, now we're okay. That makes sense. I mean, De Niro was brilliant in that. I don't know how he wasn't a lead actor. He was in. I mean, I know my, there should have been two lead actors. I mean, because that was a lead role. I know Michael had a lead role. I mean, Al Pacino had a lead role too. But wow.
0: All right, let's get to the rest of the draft here. A lot of quarterbacks being selected, notable quarterbacks. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers pick Kyle Trask in the second round, so air apparent to Tom Brady. That's the 64th overall pick. Trask was the sixth quarterback drafted this year, the first taken after Thursday's first round. So only 136 miles down the I-75 from Gainesville to play for the Buccaneers. He can now learn from Tom Brady. He's the first Gators quarterback, by the way, drafted since Tim Tebow went 25th overall in 2010. What do you make of this move, Mike? We know Tom doesn't want to go anywhere. Brady's turning 44 in August, wants to play at least until he's 45.
2: What about Trask to the Bucs? Well, I think it's a great move for them. Look, you know, when you can have a guy like, like Brady can teach you what it takes to be a pro just by observation. You know, and Brady's not gonna Brady's not gonna buckle. Brady's not gonna give in one inch to Trask. So Trask gets to watch this guy prepare, he gets to watch this guy uh prepare his body, prepare his mind, prepare for the game each week, prepare how he understands the volume of competition that has to get revved up every single day. I mean, I think it's a great pick for for the Bucs. I mean, look, the Bucs are dealing with, you know, they had all their starters back. They're sitting on house money, right? They've got all their skill guys back. They've got their defensive line back intact. You know, they add Tyron as another defensive lineman, smart play. They get another linebacker, good play. You know, they can help their kicking game out more and more. So look, why not get Trask? Uh, it, it will uh, it, it will be a great move for him. I mean, we'll see if he can be the good player. Medically, I think there was some concern. There was two concerns in this draft. Davis Mills had a lot of arthritis in his knee. I think he moved down a little further than I thought. You know, I think the, the earlier the number was 68, and then it got down to 61. If you had the 68, you cashed the ticket. And I thought it was interesting too, AD, how once Trask went at the bottom of the second, then all of a sudden. You know, Mond goes and Mills goes. And to me, that's that's what happens in drafts. You get your quarterback and that's it. Yeah,
0: let's get to those next two guys that you mentioned. So, Keller Mond goes to the Vikings. So, this could be the post-Kirk Cousins era. For the record, Rick Spielman, GM, came out and said, Kirk's our starting quarterback. There's no competition there. Mond is 21 years of age, finished his career at Texas A&M, all-time career leader in passing years, passing touchdowns, and total offense. Kirk Cousins is 32. He's been the Vikings quarterback since 2018. He's under contract for the next two seasons seasons. Now, Mike, these numbers, his base salaries jumped from $21 million in 2021 to $35 million in 2022, the latter of which comes with a $45 million cap hit. And Kirk Cousins' record as a Viking starter over three seasons, ready for this? 25, 21, and 1. Is the Mond move designed to put pressure on Cousins
2: or to say, hey, in a year or two, Kirk's out, we want to put Mond in? I think it's, a, I think it's about the future. I think it's about, look, we got to get somebody in here that we feel like might have a future. We could see if he can develop in this play-action pass scheme. We're going to keep running this style of offense, which will help Mond, because Mond isn't a great read-the-progression. He's not a great anticipatory thrower, so it's the perfect fit for him. He goes in there, a lot of play-action, uses athletic skills. I don't think he plays fast enough, but I think the interesting thing about Cousins is, you know, and we debate this, and... And there has been so much talk about the third pick in the draft. And I really think that in what really went down in San Francisco, I'm not buying AD. I am not buying that it was Trey Lance all along. I'm not buying that. Anybody, anybody you talk to in the National Football League that has that has sources that talks to, they weren't buying that either. Like they could come out and tell you that. They can the, the Niners can say it was Trey Lance all along. That's a crock of crap. They traded up to get Mac Jones and the outside pressure became really bad. And here's how it's ties to Kirk Cousins. Kyle Shanahan made it very clear. When he was in, when he was in, when he was in, when his dad was in Denver, Brian Greasy never felt like he got a fair shot because everybody was against him. And then when he was in Washington, he felt like everybody was against Kirk Cousins. And he never got he got blamed for everything. And I think those two instances is why there was a flip. Now, Peter King is going to talk to a lot about this. I'm sure he's going to write some of this in his column tomorrow that's going to point towards this direction because he had conversations with Kyle Shanahan. So I do think that the effect of the quarterback and the pressure on the quarterback made this pick change. And that's how it's tied to Cousins because Cousins, we know he's overpaid, we know he's making too much money. Can he actually? Can he actually, uh, Mon, can he actually take this away from him? I doubt it. I really do. It's going to take some time, but they have time to do it. So that's more of a move for the future. How about this one? The Texans, they take a
0: shot finding their future quarterback, as you alluded to, Stanford's Davis Mills in the third round. So we know there's obviously a lot of uncertainty around Deshaun Watson. He's currently facing 22 civil lawsuits alleging inappropriate conduct, sexual assault. So Houston uses their 67th pick on Mills. He started just 11 games over the last two seasons. He did have a 92.8 total QBR in starts against ranked opponents over the last two years, third best in the FBS. Stanford guys, I'm sure he's smart. What do you think about the Texans here, Mike? Is this hey in case stuff goes
2: haywire with Deshaun, or again is this a move of the future? Well, I think that you know the Texans. I think look, Nick Cesario knew that the the, the Patriots were on Mills, and when the Patriots took Mac Jones, they there was no need for Mills, right? They didn't know it, and. Why wouldn't you take? And once Mon went, once the other guy went, once Trask went, what are you going to do? It's the perfect time to take a quarterback. So, uh, what are you going to do? You got Tyrod Taylor on the roster, right? You got him there. You you sign Ryan Finley. You know, you know that's not that's not going to be really a long term effect. And you've got to really believe that. You really have to believe that there's a good chance that Watson might not play this year. No one knows. No one knows for sure. And because no one knows, how do you how do you not prepare yourself? Mills is a kid who's got a lot of skills. He's a dropback passer. He's a highly rated kid coming out of high school. He's got all the intangibles you want. He's got some arthritis in his knee that I think pulled him down in the draft because he's had two operations on that knee. He wasn't very clean medically. And I think that's why he wasn't the next quarterback. I think that's what happened to him. But I mean, people want to fault Houston for making this pick. Yeah, they have a lot of needs. I don't disagree with that. But they don't have any idea about what's going to happen in the future. They just don't. I mean, nobody does. I mean, anybody who says they do is lying because these cases are going to through Plus, we don't know what the NFL is. 22 cases is a lot of cases. And the NFL is going to have to do something. Now, what is will happen is whatever guarantees are in Watson's contract can become null and void because of the violation of the conduct. Once that ruling comes in, then all of a sudden the Texans can can. can Walk away from the guarantees because he violated the code of conduct that's in the contract. We'll see how that all goes through. A lot of things have to play out. I think there's a good chance that Watson doesn't play this year. I think that's a really good chance.
0: That's fascinating. If, like you said, you know, if, if the NFL rules, this is always different. Sometimes in the court of law, you can be found not guilty or not charged. But Roger Goodell can still enact his punishment. So to your point, if he says, yes, we found that you violated uh, the code conduct to the player specifically, and the Texans end up cutting him, you're right. I mean, that, that's there's lots of drama there potentially ahead. And, and that's a lot of cases. I mean, it's a potential minefield that they're dealing with. So uh, as you said, a lot is still to be discovered. Also with the New Orleans Saints, another quarterback, this time Notre Dame quarterback, Ian Book. So like B- Drew Brees, who he's replacing, Book will have to overcome the stigma of being just six feet tall to succeed the NFL. He went 30-5 and at Notre Dame, threw for almost 6,000 yards, a combined 1,031 yards uh, running over his final two seasons at Notre Dame. Again, Sean Payton, Angelo manager Mickey Loomis at quarterback position, not a must. They're high on the potential of veterans Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. So what is
2: your take on Book going to New Orleans? Well, look, uh, New Orleans was trying to get into the top 10 to get a defensive corner. There's no doubt. I think it was Horn. They tried. They couldn't get in there. They were too far back to get in the top 10. But, and I've had this confirmed to me by two teams, they were trying to get up above New England to get Mac Jones. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Now, everybody will deny it. No, no, no. I'm just telling you. Like they were trying to get ahead. They couldn't get there. Why? Because Minnesota traded with the Jets. Minnesota didn't go back as far as New Orleans and they got a good deal, right? 13 wasn't moving because Slater was there. The Chargers weren't going to move. 12 wasn't moving because Dallas was going to pick Parsons, right? 11 became fields. So there was nowhere for him to go. There was nowhere for them to go. And I don't know if the Saints called New England to try to trade for that pick or if they knew New England was going to just take Mac Jones. But here's what I would say. Here's what I would say for a fact, okay? And I've had this told to me by at least four people in the league, okay? Sean Payton loved Mac Jones. If Sean Payton loved Mac Jones, Josh McDaniels loved Mac Jones, and Kyle Shanahan liked Mac Jones, Mac Jones must be a pretty good player because I think those three guys know how to evaluate quarterbacks.
0: Well said. Certainly a good pedigree there. And one more quarterback to discuss Where we take a quick timeout. The Colts picking up a late-round quarterback. 218th overall pick, it's Sam Ellinger, the four-year starter at Texas. 94 passing, 33 rushing touchdowns. He's fairly limited as a passer, Mike. Most people think it's a long shot he'll ever be an NFL starting quarterback, but maybe he could be a backup, get some playing time, a Taysom Hill-type role. Carson Wentz we know is the starter, Ellinger is going to compete with Jacob Eason, 2024th round pick, as well as recently signed Jalen Morton.
2: What's your thoughts on Ellinger? Well, I mean, literally, I think these are the kind of guys that can come in and play well in a spurt because they're not overly gifted in terms of their talent level, but they have instincts. And I think in Frank Reich's scheme, I think he'll come in and give them them a a good showing. I think they'll coach the hell out of them. He's got to get his body stronger, and it gives him time to develop. He can compete with Jason Eason in Easton time. I mean, look, the kid's smart. He's got the one thing you can't coach. He's got anticipation. And if you have that, you got a chance. He can, he's he got instinct and anticipation. I think those are two strong qualities to have to start off with.
0: Wentz is obviously the guy. We'll see if Ellinger can at least get to a little bit of playing time at some point. After the break, we look at teams around the league to discuss notable draft picks, what needs to address this summer. That's
1: next. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
0: We'll give it up for the Cleveland Browns. Solid draft overall. Number 52 overall, they select Notre Dame linebacker Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa a pick that has big value. This is a guy who could have been a potential first-round pick. He slid to 52. Um, you look at that Browns defense, A linebacker said to be very explosive. He's got the ability to drop back in coverage like a safety. Could be interesting as to what happens with regards to him. And by the way, GM Andrew Barry and his wife had their first child on Thursday, and that's why we had the best viral and Photoshop picture of draft. You can look it up, uh, baby, basically in Andrew Barry's lap. But uh, your thoughts, Mike, on specifically the linebacker, Owusu Koromoa, adding to that Browns defense.
2: I mean, you know, everybody had him in the first. I mean, when I did all the research on all the players coming out in the draft, I had him as a, as a first-round pick and teams of talking to people where he was going to go. You know, I think ultimately these guys tend to have a hard time. There were two players on the three players on the defensive board that I thought went later than than what most people were thinking they were going to go. The Mooring kid from TCU who went to the Raiders, Usu Koromoa, then the kid from Georgia who I'm not going to try to say his name, who had a medical on him, and Barmore. Those four guys were thought to go in the first round. They were replaced by by other guys, Tyron from Washington, uh, Farley. Nobody thought he would go, not talent-wise, but more medical. So the four guys I thought were going to go got replaced by four other guys. Uh, Russo, uh, Russo. I don't know how to say his name either, the kid from Miami, the rusher from Miami, and then Owu from Penn State. Those four guys kind of went in place of these other four. So, look, Cleveland got a good player. One thing about Cleveland's football team you know, they get Noose in the corner that comes in there, gives them another corner to go along with. Troy Hill, who's the third corner, gets a nickel. They got Denzel Ward. They pick up their fifth year. So they've got good depth on their team. They, you know, they've got good depth in the secondary. You know, we saw we saw Miles Garrett walk on the stage. I mean, it was like impressive as hell, right? Like his tailor better loosen some of that shit up because those arms <laughs> were bulging. He looks like he's in great shape. I don't have much hope for Clowney, as, as many people do. But, you know, they got McKinley from who they signed off of the uh, from the Raiders uh and we'll see if he can get some pass rush in there Malik Jackson can he return to old form I mean look the, this team and I think they said it well on NFL Network I think the Browns are in really good shape in the sense of this AD they're going to play a third place schedule they won 11 games last year and basically other than other than uh you know adding Newsom to the team, they're going to return their whole team back. They've got offensive lines intact, their receivers, they get Beckham back. You know, so this is a good team that played well last year that I think has a bright future.
0: Browns add to their strength. The Cowboys know their defense need to be improved. So they get Penn State linebacker Micah Parsons in the first round and then LSU linebacker Jabril Cox in the fourth. So, Jalen Smith, Leighton Vanderesh, both those guys expected to be, you know, really great linebackers. Smith has dropped off. Leighton Vanderesh has had injury issues. So, what's the message the Cowboys are sending by drafting Micah Parsons and Jabril Cox, two linebackers in the
2: first four rounds? Well, I think what they're trying to do is find their Bobby Wagner, right? I think that's the key. If they're going to run Seattle's scheme, which is what they're going to run, they got to find somebody who can play Mike linebacker who could really run. Remember this when your defense, your, if your Mike's slow, your defense is slow. And you can't play good red zone. If you don't have a Mike linebacker who can cover on three downs and play him in the red zone, if you have to substitute your Mike when you're down in the red zone, people run the football in on you. You got to be in an eight-man front. You got to try to cover shit up. But when you have a Mike that could really run and he can really play in the red zone and he's got instincts in the passing game, you can go a long way. And I think that's what they're banking on, right? They're banking on this defense is going to improve because of the Mike backer, because they got a Bobby Wagner type guy. And then they add, you know, another defense. And then they add another linebacker in Cox, who many people thought Cox was going to go, you know, in the second round. He was rumored to be in a second round pick. He went, he goes in the fourth, a fifth round. So look. I think all this is going to tie together. One thing about the Cowboys now, you know, they'll take some guys that you've got to wonder about where they are off the field and how they're going to behave. Jerry doesn't care. We'll see if this all comes together.
0: And Carolina Panthers, they know they're going to help at Sam Darnold, right? Give him some weapons. So they did draft the corner, J.C. Horn, son of Joe Horn, the first round. But offensive side of the ball, round two, they select LSU receiver Terrence Marshall, Jr. Uh, also, BYU tackle Brady Christensen and then Tommy Tremble out of Notre Dame in the third round. I think Donald has a chance to still be really good, Mike. I think with the Jets, as you and I have discussed, a lot of turnovers, but I don't think he had a lot of help around him. The Jets were a horrible team, and he didn't play at his best. With Carolina, he's got a good coach and rule. They're adding weapons. I think he has a chance to still be a really good quarterback. Your
2: thoughts on the, what they did as far as drafting a tackle in Christensen, but also Marshall and Tremble. And and I wouldn't forget this Tommy Trimble kid. I mean, this guy's really good. He's an outstanding blocker. I mean, he can set the edge, and he's physical. And I think he's going to help him in the passing game as well. So they get the receiver. I think what what Rule did in this draft, if you follow what he did, is he ended up it ended up costing him nothing for Sam Darnold. He moved around. He ended up with way more picks than he ever was going to have, and he gets Sam Darnold basically for free by just moving around. I mean, they're going to pick Trimble at the top of the third. They get him at the bottom of the third you know they're going to pick Terrence Marshall at the top of the second they get him at the bottom of the second and they picked up other picks and and they get Chuba Hubbard, who I think is really, I mean, one, you know, his wife, Julie Rule, sent him a text saying, can we just pick Hubbard, please? And she was right. I mean, you know, she went to a lot of Baylor games. She was, she was in Stillwater when, when Hubbard ran wild. She's seen Hubbard up close and personal. Like sometimes we overthink this, you know, sometimes we overthink this. I, I tried to, you know, to say like, look, I don't care what some of these guys run. I mean, like Hubbard, like, I guess he didn't have a great workout. He was hurt as a a senior or or the junior class. But don't let your eyes deceive you. The guy's really a good player. And, you know, there's, I mean, like Puka Williams, this kid from Kansas, who I thought was sensational at coming out of Kansas. He was one of the best players I've ever seen play against Balor. He signed with the Cincinnati Bengals as an undrafted free agent because he had some off the field stuff that teams couldn't resolve. He had some off the field issues. I think he had a domestic violence issue that they couldn't resolve. So. Which for all, you know, most teams can't. The Bengals took them. I think that's the other thing, AD. I think what we're going to see after this draft here in the next week, we're going to see a couple things. We're going to see a lot of veteran guys either get cut or traded. Like the Jets, they're, going to, they're either going to cut Jamison Crowder or they're going to trade him for somebody for an if. Like the, all these players are going to replace some other players, especially if the NFL says, hey, we only want 80 man rosters for camp. We're going to cut down the rosters for camp. We don't want that many people around. Instead of 90, we're going to 80 which we've been at 80 before, okay? And then I think you're going to see some of these kids with character that hasn't really been known might come out. And then that's going to create some stir.
0: A couple of quick thoughts here. The Raiders drafted not one, not two, but three safeties this weekend. So a real lack of confidence what they have at that position. The Chiefs boltering their offense and their defense. And how about Dave Gettleman? In eight years as a GM, he never once made a trade to move down the draft, pick up additional capital. Thursday night, made his first ever trade down, swapping the number 11 pick to the Bears for numbers 20 and 164. On Friday night, the Giants came at the clock. He traded down again, sent that pick to the Dolphins, to exchange for number 50, and Miami's third round pick next year. And then later on, of course, the Giants, as you mentioned the other day, landed Darius Tony, that number 20 overall pick. But your thoughts on either, Mike, the fact that the Raiders drafted
2: three safeties or Dave Gettleman trading down finally? Well, I think, look the, look, the Raiders could have taken Mooring in the first and everybody would have been good with it. They took Leatherwood in the first and not everybody's good with that. Now, Leatherwood's got to prove he can play right tackle. I know Mike Mayock was really high on this pick and he said his building was unified, taken for his word. There was a, there was a, a report out that they had trouble with their draft room. I didn't buy it. I don't think that's true. You know, it was interesting, though. The one thing I did think initially was you didn't see Gruden in the shot, you know, when they went to the draft camp. But the reality of it is, is I think everybody bought into the Leatherwood pick. I have my doubts about that. We'll see if that's going to work out. But Moran gives them a free safety that could tackle. I mean, that's one of the biggest things. Abraham, we know he can't tackle. They signed Carl Joseph. I think Joseph ends up beating him out. Jeff Heath goes back to being a special teams player. You know, they drafted Gillespie, this other kid in the fourth round. Hobbs, the corner. So they're trying to upgrade. But the, what's got to concern you the most for the Raiders is how good are they going to be in the defensive line? This Malcolm Coons kid. Is he good enough to come in and really make an impact in their passing game? Because a lot of people in the board I had, he was, he was in that seventh free agent round, and they took him in the third round. That doesn't mean they're wrong. It doesn't mean they're wrong. Maybe there was just a name that people weren't talking about. So we'll see how he comes out and plays. As for the Giants, look... The Giants stepped in shit. I mean, here they are sitting there, and the Bears want to come get the quarterback. And, you know, all Dave had to do was say yes. I think Joe Judge's influence of trading down. I think his he, Joe's a very dogmatic personality, and I'm sure he was on Gettleman. Look, let's get we can get the good player. They trade down. They get Tony, who's a good player. They they basically, Urban Meyer admits it that they took the player that they were going to pick anyway. So It works out. The one thing I think you learn in the draft, you learn in any time you're making a decision, is don't fall in love. Like, let's not fall in love. When we don't fall in love, like Matt Rule, he didn't fall in love. He traded away from Marshall, still got Marshall. He traded away from Tremble and still got Tremble. And he ended up with more picks. That's smart football.
0: It is smart indeed. When we come back, we'll open up the GM Shuffle mailbag to discuss the Patriots wide receivers, plus the Derby happened. Kentucky Derby thoughts next. The GM Shuffle mailbag. We always love to hear from you. The GM Shuffle at gmail.com. This is from Chris, a lifelong Pats fan. We just finished the 2021 draft. Nelson Aguilar may be the only wide receiver with a bit of speed slash separation. I like the coach's top picks, but it seems speed just is secondary to Bill, unless at cornerback or safety. Why would that be? You don't have to build a team of track stars like KC did, but having a couple of dangerous players on O that the backs
2: must worry about seems a no-brainer to me. Thanks for the question, Chris. Yeah, I mean, look, I think there's no doubt they could have used a speed receiver. I think they'd like to get one, but sometimes you just can't get everything that you want, right? They got Aguilar, they got Bourne, you know, they got Jacoby Myers. They still don't know what they're going to do with Kenil Harry, uh, and so they've got to find a way. They drafted Trey Nixon in the last round. Ernie Ernie Adams, his last draft. Ernie Adams, uh, the director of research and development for the Patriots, was with Bill going back with us in 1991 in Cleveland. Ernie's done or has had a remarkable career uh, with the Giants and with the Browns and then with the Patriots. He's got six Super Bowl rings from that, and uh, or actually, I think he has eight. I think he was with the Giants for one of those Super Bowls. He might have seven, but uh, you know, he turned the card in. It's a great story, you know. Bill uh, Bill told the story in the draft room when when uh, Ernie when they first got to New England. They were looking for someone to pick in the seventh round. The clock was running. People said we got to get a pick in. we got to get a pick in. Bill said Ernie, look at the, read you know you have these huge draft books, uh, AD and they they got it they look like new, the old Manhattan phone directories they're so huge you know they got all the reports are in them so you can read them and and Ernie sat there and went through the reports and looked at them and basically said hey. Build. And I, and I think they passed, like four teams passed on the Patriots in that round. And the next thing you know, Ernie says, We should pick David Givens, the wide receiver from Notre Dame. They picked him, and Givens had a hell of a career for him. So they let him make the Trey Nixon pick at the end of the draft to send him off on his career. Great career that Ernie had. He's a loyal, loyal confidant to Belichick and uh, has been a really instrumental in a lot of the things they did there. So look, I, I don't see them being able to get all the needs that they had. I'm sure they could add more to it. Getting the quarterback was critical. They had to have a young quarterback. I think Stevenson, the young running back, we talked about players that could be traded. Sonny Michelle could be traded because Stevenson replaces Sonny Michelle because Damian Harris is the bat, is the man there. Damian Harris is really a good player. So between Harris, Stevenson, is there any room for Sonny Michelle? We shall see. And then defensively, I thought they did a good job. They got one of the better tackles in the draft, Christian Barmore, and then they've got the Ronnie Perkins kid. So I, I think Dave Ziegler and the and the staff there, Matt Groh, Elliot Wolf, I think all those guys did a good job of of helping kind of. It's a first draft the Patriots didn't trade down, which was the smart thing to do because this draft wasn't filled with a lot of talent. As always, send
0: your questions to us. And you can tweet us on social media at MLombardi NFL at Adnan Esferk, and at the GM Shuffle. Last thought here, the Kentucky Derby. Mike and I have now been doing the GM Shuffle together for two years. I remember that because we're now in April, or excuse me, May of 2021. I remember when we first started... We were talking about Bob Baffert, who wins again. Trainer Bob Baffert is now on a record-breaking seventh Kentucky Derby. And Mike and I were discussing, if ever there was a guy who looks like money, like as soon as you see that guy walk in the room with that silver hair, that suit and those glasses, you're going, this guy just, he's just filthy rich. He just screams money. And once again, the guy comes up big. And he didn't even have the favorite. Medina Spirit ridden by jockey John R. Velasquez came to the race 12 to 1 odds and wins the Kentucky Derby. It's blinking you missed it, Mike. But the Derby, the women got the hats out there, the eyes are nattily attired. Everyone's drinking mint juleps. It was
2: quite a scene. It is. And and, and COVID is no longer in Louisville. I mean, we can <laughs> see it's no longer in Kentucky, right? I mean, COVID's over. I mean, I thought what I saw in that race and Baffert's amazing. There's got to be some secular formula that he has to be able to do what he does, to, to win with favorites, to win with... I mean, this horse was... I believe this horse was was bought for a thousand dollars at a gilding, and then it then it was sold for thirty five thousand dollars, and now look what it's worth. I mean, so he's had this the, the both of the of the spectrums of horses, and he's been able to get them to become great in the Derby, and and it's such a great scene. But my the, my initial reaction watching the Derby ad was. We're going to have people in the stands. We're going to have people in the stands in football. It's going to be great next year because if we keep getting the shots and we keep just saying to COVID, uh, you know, bafangul, you know, we're gonna we're gonna get on with our lives. But we got to get those shots, and people are doing it, and look like. You know, if, I hope there's not a spike in Louisville, Kentucky this week, but it looked like everybody was having a damn good time. I was about to say, no masks,
0: no social distancing. So to your point, apparently Kentucky, they've got to figure it out. For the rest of us, be safe, wash your hands, do get vaccinated, as Mike and I have been. And four episodes of the GM Shuffle in eight days. Hope you guys enjoyed listening. We'll be back on May 12th. I hope Mike finally gets a break. Uh, you've been do, obviously cranking out lots of great content. So uh, hopefully you get a little bit of R&R, you and Bella both, and uh, we'll talk again soon.